Tanisan at the End of the Earth Tanisan stood like a grim little sentinel, gazing out over the wide blue ocean. Yet there was still no sign of the battered fishing vessel that had ferried them out to this rocky isle on the tip of the Shiritoko Peninsula. Indeed, such was her sense of imminent catastrophe that she would have gladly welcomed a Russian submarine. Oh, you can say what you like, she remarked to her best friend and fellow castaway, Mrs. Ishihama. But my instincts are telling me that we could be stuck here for some time, and as you know, they are never wrong. If blame was to be allocated, and it surely was, then it was to be laid at the door of Mrs. Terracado, who had insisted on altering the schedule of their three-day trip to Hokkaido to take in the beauty of this tiny island, which was noted for its dazzling displays of wildflowers. Of course, what Mrs. Terracado had failed to establish was that it was also noted for its remoteness and the treachery of its surrounding waters, which was why the four little ladies had been obliged to charter a fishing boat to get them there in the first place. Yes, but surely they won't have forgotten about us, said Mrs. Ish, who was having to hold on to her sun hat to prevent it from blowing away. Well, Take a moment and just think about it, said Tanisan, all too aware that she was asking Mrs. Ishihama to do something that did not come naturally to her, like asking a crane to ride a bicycle. How many people know that we're here? Hmm, good question, mused her slow-witted friend as she gave the problem her full attention. Well, there's that fishing boat, Captain, for a start. Yes, said Tanisan with great patience. And who else? Slowly and with painstaking diligence, Mrs. Ishihama went through her mental inventory of friends, acquaintances, relatives, neighbours, TV personalities, members of the government and all the various shop assistants she'd had dealings with at one time or another, crossing them off one by one until she had exhausted the possibilities. Oh, she said as the penny finally dropped, I see what you mean. Still, it took a great deal more than hard facts to put a dent in her empty-headed optimism, as soon became apparent. All the same, she said, I wouldn't worry too much if I were you. I'm sure the captain will be along any minute now. I, for one, have every confidence in him. He's so rugged and fascinating, don't you think? If truth be told, Mrs. Ayrshire developed a bit of a crush on the woolly-haired fisherman who had deposited them on the shores of this lonely island, so her opinion of him was rather subjective, to say the least. Well, if by rugged and fascinating you mean utterly incompetent and blind drunk, said Tanisan, then yes, I would have to say that he is by far the most rugged and fascinating seafarer that I've ever come across. Oh, so you agree with me then? No, said Tanisan, I most certainly do not. Apart from getting himself all tangled up in that fishing net, he somehow managed to fall off his own boat twice, and we hadn't even left the harbour at that point. No, my guess is he'll be slumped across the wheel, out cold and well on his way to Vladivostok by now, so I wouldn't bank on a rescue coming from that quarter any time soon. Oh dear, said her dim friend, who was finally starting to appreciate the seriousness of the situation. What are we to do? Whatever we have to, to survive, said Tanisan, and by that, I mean anything. Mrs. Ishihama cast her eyes over the surrounding slopes, which were copiously adorned with pretty roses, but very little else. Certainly there was nothing in their immediate vicinity that would equip them for survival as far as she could see. Well, 
Couldn't we gather some dry sticks and make a beacon to signal a passing ship? She suggested hopefully. We could and we should, concurred Tanisan, but that would still be leaving everything to chance. I see no alternative but cannibalism. With that, she turned her attention towards the other two members of their party, Mrs. Terracardo and Mrs. Sekiguchi, who were sitting on a rock some distance away, chatting quietly and eating their packed lunches. The implication, it seemed, was patently obvious. All the same, it took Mrs. Ish a moment or two to make the connection. Oh no, she exclaimed, utterly aghast. You can't seriously be suggesting that we eat our dearest friends. I don't like it any more than you do, said a stern-faced Tanisan, but we may have no choice. Every now and then, a certain set of circumstances comes along that obliges you to eat an acquaintance. It is perhaps one of the more unpalatable facts of life, but there it is. Yes, but I really don't think I could eat Mrs. Sekiguchi, even if my life depended on it, protested her friend. Not only is she a member of my Tuesday evening flower-ranging class, but she also happens to be my youngest nephew's schoolteacher. Well, I'm pretty sure that one flower-arranger won't be missed, and you would undoubtedly rise in your nephew's estimation, said Tanisan. But if that's the way you feel about it, we'll start with Mrs. Terracardo, who would have been my choice anyway. After all, it was her ineptitude that got us into this fix in the first place, aside from which there's a lot more meat on her. Her bottom alone would see us through the winter. Mrs Ishihama shot a glance at Mrs Terracardo, who had just finished her miso-marinated asparagus and was about to start on a salmon rice ball. Even so, she maintained, I don't think that I could bring myself to eat her either. As a rule, I draw the line at whale blubber. And even if I were to contemplate something so unspeakable, it would only be as a last resort. Ah, well, there you are, you see, said Tanisan. That's where most castaways make their mistake. For some reason, they tend to regard the eating of their fellow survivors as some drastic final measure, when in fact, it should be the first thing they think of. Oh, said her puzzled counterpart. Why so? To conserve vital resources, explained Tanisan. Observe, if you will the sheer greed with which Mrs. Terracardo is devouring that salmon onigiri. You can guarantee that she's not giving a single thought to the long-term sustainability of our supplies, even though we may shortly be facing extinction. In no time at all, she will have emptied that lunchbox and will soon be hungry again. What will happen then, do you think? Will she expect to share in our own meagre provisions, thereby jeopardising the survival of the entire group? Or should she pay for her selfishness in human burgers? Am I supposed to say yes or no? Asked Mrs Ishihama, who had lost the thread of the argument after vital resources. Yes, said Tanisan, to both questions. For make no mistake, things will soon start to turn nasty once the food runs out. Even now the two of them could be plotting against us. Oh, yes, it may look as if they're just sitting there enjoying the scenery, but who knows what they're talking about? Why, they may be even planning to turn us into sukiyaki at this very minute. Well, I don't like the sound of that, said Mrs Ishihama, who was rather perturbed by the idea of being talked about as the dish of the day. No, said Tanisan, neither do I, which is why it's so important that we act first. By eating our own lunch boxes, you mean? What? said Tanisan. Dismayed as always by Mrs Ishihama's uncanny knack for missing the point. How does that help to conserve resources? No, what I'm saying is that we have to get them before they get us.
Oh, right, I see, said Mrs Ishihama, who really didn't. The confused silence that followed indicated as much. But if we don't eat those burgers soon, she went on, they're bound to go off in this heat, and the last thing we need right now is a case of food poisoning. What burg... Tanisan stopped herself, having realised that it was simply wasn't worth spending the next ten minutes going through the whole thing again. It was so much easier just to go along with it. You're right, she said. We'll gobble them up once we've dealt with those two. The two lunchboxes. No, said Tanisan, rapidly approaching the limit of her self-control. Mrs. Sekiguchi and Mrs. Terracado. Ah, yes, of course, said her brainless co-conspirator with a vague nod. And how are we going to do that? Surprisingly enough, it was a good question. And so Tanisan looked about for a suitable weapon. On the grassy bank to her left, there were some loose rocks. But when she tried to lift even the smallest of them, she found that it was too heavy for her. So she then picked up a long stick and began to swish it about in the air. Yet that too failed to meet the necessary criteria. It was well suited to giving someone a good crack across the behind to liven them up a bit, but too thin and reedy to deal a fatal blow. Then, however, the answer came to her. So straight away she reached down and took off her shoe. I know, she said, brandishing it in the air. I'll come up behind them and hit them over the head with this. Mrs Ishihama looked at the shoe and then at Tanisan. Are you sure that's going to work? she asked doubtfully. You only take a size three. Oh yes, said Tanisan. I've done it before. The problem is that I can only hit one of them at a time, which means that I may need your help with the other one. Automatically, Mrs Ishihama bent down and began to undo her shoelace. No, not now, said Tanisan. First we have to create a distraction so they're not ready for us. So here's what we do. When they've finished eating, I will suggest that the four of us go for a walk along the cliffs. Then once we reach a suitable spot, I will give you the signal and then wham! With that, she brought her canvas slip-on crashing down. We all have a nice sit-down, remarked Mrs Ish, entirely misinterpreting the gesture. Tanisan took a very deep breath. No one sits down with a wham, she said. No one, not even Mrs. Terracado. When I give you the signal, you take off your shoe and hit the person in front of you as hard as you can. That's what I mean by wham. Got it now? Oh, I see. So this wham is like a game then, said Mrs. Ishihama. Yes, said Tanisan. Exactly like a game, but with more dead bodies. With that, she left Mrs. Ishihama at the water's edge and wandered over to where the other two ladies were finishing their lunches. Tanisan sat down with them and there was a brief discussion, although every now and then she would look across at Mrs. Ishihama just to make sure that she was still paying attention. When the time came for their post-prandial walk, Tanisan called her over and then the four of them began heading up a narrow path towards the Cape, with Mrs. Sekiguchi and Mrs. Terracado leading the way. It was a tedious excursion as far as Tanisan was concerned because her three talkative travelling companions walked slowly and kept stopping all the time. Each new flower seemed to warrant some discussion. Then just around the next headland they chanced upon a startling rock formation that looked exactly like a willy, although everyone was far too polite to say so. It was as they were approaching a little waterfall that Tanisan saw her opportunity 
so she bent down to take off her shoe, signalling to her accomplice to do the same. Although I have to say that she had drastically overestimated the storage capacity of Mrs Ishihama's short-term memory. Oh yes, said Mrs Ish with great enthusiasm. Mrs Tanny has had an excellent idea. Let's all take off our shoes and bathe our feet in the sparkling water. This was met by murmurs of approval from the two prospective murder victims, so now everyone was taking off their shoes. For all the confusion, Tanisan had the presence of mind to realise that she would have to act quickly if her plan was to be salvaged. And so stepping up behind Mrs Terracado, she lifted her right shoe high above her head. But then just as she was about to bring it down with every bit of force that she could muster, Mrs Ishihama stepped in to save the day. Oh, look, she said, pointing to the open water. There's the captain. We're saved. And sure enough, there was the little blue and white fishing boat, no more than a fleck on the ocean, chugging steadily towards the bay. With her characteristic aplomb, Tanisan turned the raised shoe gesture into a shake, while making some vague remark about small stones getting into her footwear. And with that, the whole unnecessary business evaporated into thin air. Having said that, she was rather surprised that her instincts, which were usually so reliable, had turned out to be so wrong on this occasion. For the woolly-haired fisherman, whom she had so harshly criticised, had actually proved to be as good as his word. In fact, he was only twenty minutes late. <laughs>